Hello and welcome to the Fire Up Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Trapin. I'm so thrilled to share a new mini-series here on the podcast called Spill the Tea. Join Molly McKinley and me for conversations about being intentional and confident in uncertain times and beyond. Molly is the CEO of Intentionalities and host of the Afternoon Tea Podcast. So in honor of our shared love of tea, pull out your sassiest teacup, brew your favorite tea blend, snuggle into your coziest spot, and listen in on this hour of togetherness. Get ready to hear us sharing ideas too, best practices around, and of course, highlighting our favorite people, brands, and initiatives, positively serving humanity, and sprinkling joy over their slice of the galaxy. Without further ado, let's spill the tea. Hello, world. Hello. Hello, everyone. It's Tuesday, and we're back. Oh, my goodness. Yay. Yay. It, uh, it's been a, a hot minute. It's been summer. So of course we're bouncing around and traveling and filling our soul tanks. Um, and we are so happy to be back. We have so many amazing things to talk about. Of course, for those of you who've been following along, we're going to be talking about our final two goddess archetypes tonight. We're going to be talking about Aphrodite and Isis. So um, I'm really looking forward to those conversations. I've got the goddess card from Megan Watterson's kit. We can read a little bit about Isis in there. Not Aphrodite. Love it. Uh, and whatever else we come up with. <laughs> but before we do that, of course, I know that you have something in mind for us to breathe. Yeah, let's do it. So right now, this is like today, tomorrow, depending on who you ask, is the is the fall equinox, which means that the day and the light are equal. And um, you know, so what in this in this um the spring equinox, what's crazy is that every day gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And with the fall equinox, every day will get longer and longer and longer and longer until we peak in the summer. So it's this beautiful sort of dance of, um, we always think of like, um, you know, the, the days are really, really short in the, the fall and the winter, right? Um, but they're actually waxing. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, a, a cool thing. So we are going to channel that energy of balance and um, we are going to do our alternate nostril breathing or our Nadi Shodana breathing. And we're going to employ, so typically we do it with the Vishnu Mudra, which is where we have the thumb and our peace fingers down and our, our two fingers up. This is like, I have like my finger won't straighten. So, <laughs> so I don't know how your fingers do, but mine kind of is a little bit weird. But we're going to take our peace fingers today and I'm going to take my glasses off. We're going to, I did the same thing. <laughs> I have mind. We're morphing into the same person we've decided. <laughs> well, and so we're going to take our peace fingers and we're going to put them right here at the space between our brow. This is Ajna Chakra. We're going to find that nice long spine. So from the crown to the root, finding that, that beautiful length here. And then we're going to take our thumb our, and we're going to place it gently on that right nostril. 
Inhale completely in the left nostril. Hold and close using that ring finger to press and close that left nostril. Exhale completely through the right. Inhale to the right. Really expand that rib cage. Hold and close. Exhale left. Inhale left. Hold and close. Now really focus your awareness while we're holding the breath at the fingertips. Ajna chakra, our place of knowing. And exhale, release through the right. Inhale, right. Hold, close, and concentrate. Exhale, completely left. So again, that's Nadi Shodana, alternate nostril bringing, breathing, and it's about balancing your masculine and your uh, feminine energies. And so this is just a taste here that we do together to ground and center. But when you're practicing this on your own, sit with it for three minutes, then six minutes, then nine minutes, then 12 minutes, and sort of, you know, grow into the practice. I love that. My pinky was not sure what to do. Yeah, the, the like, pinky kind of- like, where do I go? Do I follow the ring finger? <laughs> well, mine kind of sticks together anyway. They kind of like are, they kind of work together, you know? Well, yeah. I guess they don't They're always, pals. but yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's so good. Um, well, you know, what I love about the timing of the conversation around Aphrodite and the conversation around Isis and the fact that we just had the harvest moon and it is that abundance, reflection, gratitude, uh, you know, reconnecting to our homes, to our relationships. I mean, these two, these two goddess archetypes, these two female archetypes are all of those things. Yes. And, 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 you know, I, I was sharing this with you in the green room and I, I said it on a couple of strings as I was telling people like, Oh, this is who we're talking about tonight. I said, it's so wild yet. It's not that these two, these two Aphrodite and Isis are actually my top two that I connected to in the book and that they oh, would be yeah. the last is very, it feels very special to me. Um, oh, so I love that. Yeah. 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 Well, one of the things I wanted to say, just is really important about this particular season at the harvest, right? And this is that layer of symbol symbology, if you will, is that it's really about reaping what we have sown, right? So that's really what a harvest is. You know, a harvest is when you, the effort of seeding and tending and nurturing and pruning, right? And then yeah. harvesting, that harvest is really about celebration of the effort, right? Or yeah. the non-effort, whichever, whichever, you know. Uh, <laughs> or the non-effort. So whichever suits, right? Well, you know, and one of the things that also, so we have, yes, I mean, I feel like there's a million things flying through my head, but I love this idea of we are, we are reaping what we sow that leaves are changing. We are seeing like the change of the season on top of the full moon, on top of these yes. two archetypes. It's like all, all of these, 
all of this balance that yes. is happening is yeah. it, like if I feel like it's so beautifully timed because we need more balance right now. And oh, yeah. And not balance, not work-life balance. Everybody, like, stop the collective moan. We've, we all agree that does not exist. <laughs> but we do agree and we do believe wholeheartedly that there is a way to balance our energies. And mm. we, we can control that. We can pay attention to that because that is within us. It's not outside us. I know you're going to want to say something. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, I'm on the edge of my seat here because, um, so for me, the, you know, balance is like, we are a culture of insatiable growth, Ooh, right? Insatiable growth. So true. I mean, it's just, everything is about up to the right, the hockey stick, right? Like businesses, that's how you get money. You have to show the hockey stick, all of this, right? And like, just culturally, it's just all about growth, 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 growth. Growth is winning. I mean, we are programmed, right? In a, in a consumptive society to, oh. for growth, right? What's the word consumptive? I know, right? It sounds like- um, Consumption? Like a toilet or something, right? Yeah. I don't know. Or, you know, when you watch like the, the old movies about medieval times and they're like, somebody yeah. else died of consumption. It's like- <laughs> Like, how do we not learn our lesson? <laughs> that is so funny. Well, in this consumptive society, I thought it may not even be a right word. I may have just made that up, but it, it fits, right? Because of that. Um, you know, what I love about this season and this idea of balance is that nature is teaching us what that looks like. She sheds her skin, right? Mm -hmm. She drops her leaves. She lets it go that which is no longer serving the highest and best yes. so that that can decompose, go back into the soil, provide more nutrients so that she's dormant, quiet, reflective in the winter, and then brilliant, bright, and open again in the spring, right? Yes. And that balance of even understanding the cyclical nature of the balance of nature and applying that to ourselves right? You can't just continually grow, 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 right? Like if, if, a, if a tree were to be blooming apples and just never and not dropping, like the limbs would break, right? Like it couldn't sustain itself, but we just don't apply that to ourselves. So, well, I think, I believe we used to, I believe that the industrial revolution, things like electricity, um, motor vehicles, like these things extended our ability to move and consume, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, way back in the day, it's like the sun went down, you're not reading. Mm. <laughs> you're eating and you're sleeping, right? Mm. Like you, our cycles are, are off balance because of this albeit amazing technology, right? That allows us to do this, right? Connect across the country and share time with our beloveds. However, it does extend the use of our energies mm. in a way that we, we weren't created, right? 
And uh, I, I can't remember if we had it here on the show or on a text string or on, uh, you know, in person <laughs> along the way, like on one of the many platforms, but the conversation about how our bodies, who we are, were they were created to, um, to work through and support the crises in our own communities. And now mm -hmm. our bodies filter and are, are, are really exposed to the crises of the world. Right. And mm, so chronically, yeah, chronically, even even those people who don't have Facebook or who don't watch the news are still experiencing it through energy, through mm. the uh, through how their partners consume it and then react to it. You know, it's it, it's simply it bleeds through in into every every aspect of who we are because we have that exposure again there's the positive and the negative to it right we we know more we have the opportunity to do more to help more people and to you know be part of the solution for more people however we our bodies simply require um, more downtime more mm. being still than we mm -hmm. allow them to. And, and when you were talking about like the hockey stick and the up and to the right, um, that feels like a very <laughs> masculine symbol. And aggressive, right? Yes. Like, I mean, hockey oh. is an aggressive sport. I know because I'm a hockey mom, right? Yes, you are. You're a hockey mom. Who, yeah, whose hockey player won the championship? I know he's actually good, but yeah, I mean, again, it's not inherently good, inherently bad or whatever. It's just something to be aware of and yes. honor the fact that that is not in tune or alignment with the way of the world. Right. So that sort of consumption is not going to be sustainable. Yes. Um, Amen. And that to me is the message. Agreed. And that takes us so beautifully into Aphrodite. So uh, Aphrodite what I, well, let me just say before we start talking about her, one of the things I really love about this book and Sophie is how she walks you from each archetype to the next. Like with her words, she's like, and now you're going to be walking down a soft dirt road. And mm -hmm, you're going to see, you know, like you're going to see yeah, a large green leaved oak in front of you. Like, like she really has this beautiful imagery with her, with her words. And one, one thing, uh, so on page 177, it's kind of towards the end of her invitation. Like we're flowing from, um, from one, one goddess, Hecate, into Aphrodite. And there's this part where she says, Aphrodite now holds a single rose up to your chest as a symbol of her presence on your journey. This rose expands into radiant light bursts of blush, watermelon, and ballet slipper pink <laughs> entering your heart chakra. And I have to say, I had a really rocky relationship with the color pink for a really long time. Mm. I felt like pink was like the patriarchy labeling me as a girl. And not even that I thought back when I was a kid that it was the patriarchy labeling me as a girl. I think just innately I was like, I'm supposed to wear pink because I'm a girl, so I'm not going to wear pink because I'm a girl. 
and that they, resonates. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, we have friends who of course love pink. Sherry Chris comes to mind. I mean, she has her own Pantone mm -hmm. color pink, uh, Sabrina Brown, who's, you know, big, her brand is around pink as well. Uh, but I would say over the last like 10 years, I've had a reconnection with the color and, you know, one of Aphrodite's like the, her crystal element is rose quartz. And that is actually the, the, the crystal that I wear around my neck is a mm. rose quartz. And I, I, when I first read this, I was like, Oh, well, that's interesting. We have, we like the same rose quartz. Okay. Uh, but that kind of started the, when you start to read about somebody who, when you start read about an archetype and you start to see yourself in them. Right. Because I think when I, when you hear Aphrodite, well, what do you think of when you hear Aphrodite? Oh, I, I think of like love or, you know, like, you know, like, I don't know why. Um, it's probably, I don't, you know what, do you remember that um, movie called Overboard um, with Goldie Hawn? Oh it was like God, an 80s. I loved that. I loved that. I love those two together. I know. Well, there was, there is a scene there and I don't know if it was really Aphrodite, but that's every time I hear her name that I imagine them on that yacht and there, and he was kind of yelling to the wind about something. Oh, it was Arturo, Arturo. When she was talking about the mermaid <laughs> that would call her name. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yes. That's so funny. I don't think that, that was specifically Aphrodite, but I know you're talking about this. <laughs> that and is for she totally reason. does it where she's like, calling his name when she's on the yacht and she's like come get and me and then he responds he calls he he re returns the response so i don't know that's that's just what i'm imagining but i don't i don't know why you know i love it but i you did use love which is she is the goddess of love she's the goddess of love beauty and sensual relations um with the earth and so, of, of course, mm -hmm. I was telling Andrew tonight that, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Aphrodite. And Isis is like, Aphrodite. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, getting lucky tonight. Exactly. He's like, ooh, does that mean we're going to have more sex? And I was like, why do you think she's about sex? He's like, well, Aphrodite, aphrodisiac. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> right? Like, he immediately goes to sex. However... The interesting thing about her, right, is that she was, she did hold like, like a cult-like status with the Greeks because mm -hmm. like they had festivals and, and there was likely a lot of mm -hmm. really torrid affairs, mm -hmm. uh, but that isn't really what her archetype is about. Her archetype, and of course now, now you'll hear the things that really, really resonated with me. The archetypal themes are healthy balance in relationships for healers, holding mm -hmm. up the divine mirror to relationships, hmm, and acknowledging the divine masculine essence. Hmm. The last but not least is celebrating beauty and sensuality. Hmm. And so some of the things that she talks about in the book that I think will speak to um, coaches, consultants, people who are like in therapist type roles, but aren't actually therapists or simply are people who what, are every single real estate agent out there. Yeah, for sure. In, in certain ways, 
um, she talks about the fact that when you are a, a healer who shares Aphrodite's um, archetypal, archetypal themes, so many of your relationships should actually be paid clients. So many of your conversations, because people are attracted to the healer in you, the one who is there to uh, hold the divine mirror to relationships. So mm -hmm. you were uh, like, for me, that started for me when I was a, a tiny child, Molly, like mm -hmm. little, a young girl. Like I was, it was always go ask Debbie, right? Mm -hmm. Like ask Debbie, Debbie will know. I don't go by Debbie anymore, so please don't call me Debbie. Um, but <laughs> the the makes me feel like a yeah. I don't know. It's just cream it's, pie, oatmeal cream pie. That's what it's coming to my mind. Sure, I'm glad that's what little Debbie's. Um, I'm from Ohio. Yeah, I mean, I we my grandma used to get those when I would come to visit. Um, there's it's there is a beautiful universal law of reflection that she upholds. Right. And it's the where is, when when someone comes to you, when you have this archetype, you you definitely listen and you support. However, you also hold the mirror up and say, and I also see this as something that you may have brought to the table. How does that feel? Uh, and so it's not it's not only a, a listening advisor. It actually is somebody who's saying. I hear you. And you've also said you've done this. How does that connect the dots here? Mm -hmm. And, and when, when I read this the first time, I was like, Oh my gosh, I totally do that. Yes, you do. That is the absolute type of healer that I am. Right. Yeah, it's and you're excellent at it. You get to the root. Yes. And, and I think that it, when she's shining a light on that, it, it makes it feel so much holier than it did before, right? It makes it feel like it truly is a divine calling. It felt that way, you know, when I was reading it, I'm like, oh, I can look mm -hmm. at it differently. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's the power of, of this book is that mm -hmm. it helps me see myself Mm. With a, a through a softer lens, and I love that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know a better way to say it than that. It's she has these. I, one of the things I also love in these book in the books is that they she has these like little oops right here like these little yeah. quotes that she highlights. Yeah, um, if you don't take care of how you give the standards you keep in relationships and the boundaries you set with others, you may burn out and be at risk of damaging your sensitive energy system. Mm. Like, can we hear an amen? How many of us feel like we're working from an empty cup? Yeah. And, you know, we, we have a lot of beloveds in common and we can, see, we see it. I don't feel the, that so much right now. Cause I feel I've really been, um, focused on self-care, but I don't know about you. I see well, it. I, I'm a bathlete, right? So for me, like that's where I heal in water. Yes. But you know, the, the empty vessel versus empty cup. I want to just talk about that for one second. Cause I think that there's something that I've been sort of contemplating, um, that is applicable. 
so the idea of being an empty vessel means that we're not coming to the table decided. We're creating space for spirit to work through and with us, right? Yes. So that is about, you know, being an empty vessel. You know, self versus non-self, right? Yes. Because so many times we already have it all worked out. We don't leave any, we don't leave any space to commune with the divine. It's all filled up. And, you know, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard the, the saying before, well, you, you know, if you've already, I forget exactly that the essence of it is like, you, you, you won't learn from somebody who already has all the answers, right? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the know-it-alls. <laughs> the know-it-alls, right? So you want to be the empty vessel, right? Yeah. So that we can work and flow with divinity. Yeah. But an empty cup is different, right? Because that means that we don't have anything for our cup to share, right? It's already gone. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, the semantics or the, the intent of those two ideas are really, really different. Whereas yeah. like I need, my, my cup is empty, you know, yeah. meaning I don't have anything and I have no more energy to share. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, in, in the fire up world and my fire up content, that's the soul tank, right? That the soul we're, tank. we're running on empty and, yes. and they're, Again, these are things that we have control over because it's inside us, right? We, no one on the outside can fill our soul tank. That the, everything we choose either depletes it or fills it. That's it. And, and I, but I we can nurture each other though, right? Oh, go, absolutely. But I, I can't expect you to fill my soul tank. If it's yep. empty, but I can ask you to go for a walk with me or mm -hmm. to rub my feet or to make me tea or whatever it is. Right. Like I yes. can ask of others, but again, I, I can't assume that they're going to know what I need and then get furious when they don't give me what I need. Right. Cause that only yeah. depletes the tank more. Right. But, but again, back to this essence of today and this, um, autumnal equinox about balance, yes. right? Empty yes. cups aren't balanced cups, right? Like, so <laughs> it's all about depletion or, you know, so we need to find that, that middle way, right? Where we can use the energy and fill the energy and find that beautiful equilibrium of, of, um, community that way. Yes. And so for those of you who are like really leaning into that idea of, of balance and well-being, be, well -being, Aphrodite is, is definitely an archetype that you want to dig into more. Again, she's, she really has, obviously she has a heart for feminine healers in relationship. She, she really speaks to the heart of, of the healer and, and reminds you that you also need healing along the way mm -hmm. and to, to not, um, to not stumble in that. Right. And to also protect your energy by not constantly being um, constantly filling others and not filling yourself. Right. That idea of many of our relationships should likely be professional ones. Uh, it, in, in the consultant world or in, even in the, in real estate agents world, it's the, like, I want to pick your brain and then they mm. go off and do it themselves. 
right? Mm -hmm. And they don't do yeah. it well. And then they come back to you and they're like, oh, I got a couple more questions. It's like, yeah, well, so protect yourself, Aphrodite. Yeah. Uh, Aphroditeites. <laughs> well, and what I like about that is it's a really nice bridge to Isis, right? Because yeah. what we're talking about are things about how to be more intentional, more conscientious, conscientious with how we show up in the world and with our relationships. Yes. And it doesn't mean that we're going to nail it, but it means that we're more intentional about it, right? Like we're bringing thought and awakening to it. And when you move into Isis, particularly, um, you know, in, in Sophie's version, she has this um, rise into power and purpose. And so she has one of those little things that you were saying, her little quotes, you know, there is a deep truth that you need to uphold, but you are scared to go through the changes that take you into living that truth. Right. And then, you know, it's like, you know, it in your bones that there is something to do, but aren't quite sure where to go. And to me, then she addresses that in these sacred practices, the way of an awakened woman, right? Yes, yes. totally. And, and that's where, that's where they, that she, and she says, in pure essence, your divine feminine mission is made up of these practices, being willing to look at what your deep truth is, how you show up and open up to your truth, how you give that truth to others and the planet and the level to which you allow that truth to awaken, heal and transform you. And that goes right back to that connection to Aphrodite about, yeah. you know, an awakened woman. Uh, incredibly. And, and right after that, like bullet point list, she says, you know, like if you're, if you're not in the place where like, if you are somebody who totally speaks your truth, you can replace truth with dreams, power, love, light, because it's all about the, um, the using either she talks about mantras, meditations, just this, the, the repetition, right. Of is what helps awaken us, right. Cause mm -hmm. it is that con the consistency of speaking our truth, the consistency of speaking light over ourselves or, or love loving ourselves through our words and in those quiet moments she really is quite um, quite extraordinary you know and, and uh, for those of you who don't know where like her her origin story right this is a goddess of egypt right yes. so those of you who mm. love egyptology who mm. uh, like i could watch mummy a million times oh yeah well when when i was in um elementary school i was in like a like a gifted class or whatever it was and we did um a whole unit on egypt and all of the symbols of and you know like for me like that that i i am convinced that that is what set me on the path of even being an art historian right of getting into the symbols is all of that um, because that's the root. Um, my first experience, um, actually in, um, you know, I was training, um, you know, with a shaman years ago and the first person that I met on the journey was what I believe now Isis, um, mm. because she's a winged form, right. With this yes. huge expansive wings. And she has this, you know, a crescent with the moon, um, held in her crown, right? Um, often depicted with a falcon. 
Um, oh, there you go. Perfect. This is um, this is obviously from Megan Watterson's Divine Feminine yep, cards. I love that. Yeah. What is what is the um, saying on that one? So uh, the goddess of magic, sexual energy is sacred. My pleasure is a prayer that brings me back to life. Mm -hmm. And it says Isis embodies the pure magic of devoted love. She's an ancient Egyptian goddess of love, fertility, resurrection, and magic. Her temples. Is that pepper? It's Lucy. Oh, it's oh, Lucy is scratching my carpet again. I don't know why she's, she's just making herself cozy over there. It's hysterical. Um, no, her temples lined the Nile Delta and upper Egypt from the fourth century BCE to the fourth century CE with the closing of the temple at Philae. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, the priests and priestesses who served her were known for their miraculous healing powers. So again, mm -hmm. another healer, another mm. love. Um, she obviously in, in Egypt, which again, we didn't really talk about with Aphrodite, but we can with Isis. They, they were women who adorned themselves. They, they did it for themselves. They wore lush garments. They wore obviously a lot of red uh, and gold, which were their, you know, the, the, of the time, right. The cuffs around their mm -hmm. arms and their wrists, but it wasn't for others. Like the, mm -hmm. both chapters are very clear that it's, it is about the sensuality of dressing yourself of brushing mm -hmm. your hair, of caring for your body. And that it's a temple, right? In which, mm -hmm. again, not no one else is required to do that in order for your body to be honored. Mm. I think that is beautiful. I think we need to incorporate that into our, like our thing where we're actually intentionally not just bathing but but having ritual bathing where you're honoring like this is the temple that houses the soul yes yes and that's like the rose waters and all of the stuff that the egyptians used to do for their skins yes. was like polishing the china right like and or the silver rather right yes um oh yeah i mean yeah. they would they would use crushed I can't remember what it was. It's not silica, but something like that, something that had like an iridescence to it. And, mm -hmm. you know, they would, they would obviously adorn their eyes and, you know, very smoky, very dramatic lined mm -hmm. eyes. But that again, it was, it was a way of, of creating a feeling inside of themselves. Mm -hmm. And as, yeah. Yeah. Which, which I think What's that? That's really, that's really beautiful. I don't, I'm having a, um, I'm having a different connection to this message that I have never had before, which is very strange. Well, like, yeah. It's hard tell to me more. You know, I'm, I'm, can you tell me more? Can you tell us more? Like, what do you think? Yeah, well, no, I mean, like, obviously, I mean, I'm like a bathlete, you know, like I, I actually do a lot of ritual bathings with, um, you know, salts and oils and all kinds of, I flick flower material and I, you know, all of that, like I, that matters to me, but, um, I'm doing it even as intentional as it is, I'm not doing it with the connection of my body as the temple. I'm doing it with, uh, an idea of self care. 
Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, yeah, I definitely look at it as though it's body care, but I have also battled body image issues that you have not. Mm. Right. And so I look at that time as, as definite body care, as, you know, looking at each part of my body in some way, shape or form with whether as I'm, body care or temple care, as, uh, I would say that's interchangeable for me. I mean, I didn't okay. have, I wouldn't say when I, you know, 20 years ago or 40 years ago, and I was taking my first baths that I was mm-hmm. thinking about it, like it was the temple, but I would say definitely, I feel like this is, um, I am caring for the seat of my soul. And because I, if I, if I look at it as though it's, it is, I'm caring for this body that I walk the planet in, then it becomes less of what my body looks like and more about how my body serves me and how I want my body to feel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I get that. We've talked about this so many times and I have heard the words. They just landed differently tonight. I love that. I think, yeah. again, this book has a way of doing that. It mm-hmm. has a way of shifting p- perspectives, even shifting paradigms, right? Like thinking mm-hmm. about ourselves in a, a, a different way. And she definitely talks about like really aligning with our unique path because her two archetype, um, her two archetypal themes are mother healing mm-hmm. and rising into power and purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. when when you read that, it's there, they are such fundamental aspects of humanity. Mm. Right. And she Sophie really talks to the healing our, of our relationships with our mothers mm. and, and how important that is and how, how foundationally it, uh, how it impacts generations to come. If mm. you can slow down and heal the relationship with your mom and even yeah, if your mom, yeah, even if your mom is not on the, on this planet, you can still heal a relationship. Mm, energetically for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. And my mom is sick right now. She has, she's going through chemotherapy with breast cancer. And so um, it's easier to, to do that work when someone isn't, when you see that someone is actually um, impermanent, right? Because mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a little heavy, but um I think it's easier to be soft in someone's suffering than it is if they're like totally like in, in their power because then they're it's more competitive or something versus there you're just sort of really able to see their um the frailty or the fragility of being human. Um I, I think it shifts people. So well, we were talking with uh sisterhood and about how this is this is a new season for a lot of us. You know, we're mm-hmm. in our forties. Our parents are getting older as are we. And so things like getting mammograms, getting colonoscopies, getting uh, 
checked, our bodies checked by a dermatologist, mm -hmm. right? Like looking at our bodies and making sure that we are taking care of our health, right? So we have friends who have health issues and then we also have parents who mm -hmm. are, you know, in their twilight, many of them, mm -hmm. you know, they're having yeah. health issues. And so the, the, the healing of our relationships with our, our parents is so huge. Right. And mm -hmm. I love that, that, you know, that we can find a softness in, in their, in that sickness, right? Like mm -hmm. that can be an opportunity for us to say, okay, this is a sign I need to make the call. I need to write the letter. I need to. And again, if your mom or, is not on this planet, you can still do the forgiving. You can ask for the forgiveness. And I, I feel very, very confident in saying that if you are asking for forgiveness from a mom who's no longer on this planet, she's going to give it to you. Or conversely, like, you know, accept forgiveness, right? And yeah. understanding that the person was doing the best that they could, right? Yeah. And releasing the expectation of it not of it not have been enough or what you would have chosen or whatever, but that it is all part of what has sculpted you into your being, right? And just yeah. releasing the fact that this present exists because of all of that. Um, and that you're, if you're conscious enough to be having that thought, then it's acknowledgement that it led you to that place. Right. It's so good. Well, yeah, that, and, and really with, with the ISIS archetype, the right, that rising into power and purpose, one of the things that I found, um, jarring is kind of a good word for it. Cause you know, it, it woke me up. We talk about not procrastinating, right? Mm. Like actually beginning to do the work. And I feel like that word, um, I've heard it a lot lately. <laughs> I'm like, like side eye, side like, eye. <laughs> uh, not, not only for myself, but for, you know, really truly loved ones, right? Where yeah. it's like there's some, the movement forward is being abdicated based, you know, abdicated to someone else who, who really shouldn't have that power, but it, it feels okay because we're, you know, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But she, Isis really talks about like, you have to take the steps. You have to take the steps. And she speaks to specifically in this book about everything you crave to give, what you crave to create, right? That thing that is inside you that you want to give is what you most need to receive. So stop waiting for things to be perfect before you give your love and gifts. The ego's ideal moment conditions, partner, finances, body, they are all hostages of the illusory future. Oh, your sole purpose is waiting for you to claim it in this perfectly imperfect now it, and is already seeking you. The perfect moment is always now. And I was reading that and I'm like, it's, why is it that we think, oh, well, when I do this, I can be happy. When I reach this, then I can move forward, right? Like yeah. it's 
Mm -hmm. We really do hold ourselves back. Crazy. Well, I mean, that's the definition of insanity, actually. I mean, because like (laughs) the past already is gone, right? The future is yet to be. So, I mean, there, we, gosh, we were just reading that. Um, I don't know. It was so cool, but it was like the, it's silly. It's, it's insanity to be in either one of those, right? Because you're going to be there, you know, like it's, it's all illusory. Um, Oh yeah. I think that it was was the concept of, of you, when you are not living in now that you are, that that's basically death because the past is gone and the, the future is coming no matter what. So it doesn't yeah. matter like if you're scared or worried or or waiting. Like the the future is coming or you're yeah. dead. And so when you don't live in your moment, when you don't when that perfect moment isn't always now, you're actually not living. Yeah, it was really it kind of hit me too. Um, you know, it's so funny. The other the other thing there's two things I want to I want to make sure that we we discuss. Okay? One that Isis is really associated with our dreams. And I do think that this is an important thing, right? Because I think it's also, it's like our sleeping dreams, but it's also like our childhood dreams, right? And I think so many of us have just gotten on this wheel, right? Where we've forgotten that purest essence of what we are actually perhaps born to do, right? And, you know, that is something that I think in conversations coming up with women, you know, looking for that more or that connection to self and soul in their work too, like just knowing that it's something isn't quite right, that it's off, right? That feeling of being uninspired, un, you know, which is what we're not in our spirit. Right. Right. Yes. But the, the way that we tap into that insight is actually through our unconscious states, perhaps, which are our dreams. And so like keeping a dreaming journal, remembering like profound dreams you had as a child and how you felt and who you were with and, you know, just sort of taking note and exploring some of those things, um, you know, is, is really kind of cool. And for people who, who like to be a little witchy, um, if you aren't a dreamer and by nature and you're interested in having more, um, uh, with what we should say, uh, intelligent dreams or insightful dreams. Um, and again, insight, right. Our internal sight. Um, but the, um, you can get a little bit of mugwort online. Um, and there's lots of different herbal shops, but you can get a little bit of mugwort and you stick it under your pillow. And again, does the mugwort actually have properties that help you dream or are you setting a table by taking the steps and sort of embracing the energetic properties of the things, right? And then that will help you create or, or set a stage. I'm not sure, right? But I do know that when you do slip a little bit of mugwort under the pillow or have some mugwort tea, um, that the dreaming is, um, is, is can be really special. I love that. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that we both love to do not only for ourselves but for others is introduce ritual right introduce these ways of of slowing down and experiencing the moment it's interesting yesterday so on the full moon i usually share something yeah you know some some sort of something i'm doing 
yesterday was a little different. I, I it was a little bit of a longer post and mm -hmm. it kind of had some journal prompts and some act activities people couldn't in, in like just infuse into the, you know, the next few days. I, the thing with the full moon is yes, you've got like kind of that pocket of time where it's like super powerful, but she's always up there. <laughs> so you can do these rituals. You can, you can slow down and, and ask yourself the questions anytime, right? It's mm -hmm. just simply when you, when you can have a flow or a calendar that says, all right, so we're in the full moon now, here's some things to talk about. You know, we're going to go into first quarter and then we're going to get, then we're, like, it gives you some structure to mm -hmm. celebrating the phases we all walk through, right? Mm -hmm. Whether, no matter what gender you identify with, no matter uh, shape or shade, it's, as humans, it's, there's something beautiful and truly divine about ritual. And, and Isis really, uh, I think over and over and over again, that awakened, the awakenedness, right? That you, there's no shortcut. You got to do the work hundred percent. Like you can't read a book and go, ta-da, I'm awakened. Uh, she, the awakened woman, she really trusts herself and mm. she trusts her guides. Mm. Right. And so who we, who we connect to, who we, who we sit with, who the, the person whose feet we're sitting at is someone we must trust. Mm, and, right. And, and I think that there, someone said, to, said this weekend to me that they, they trusted me and I thought I was going to weep for days, just the emotion that I had mm -hmm. when, when somebody said like out loud, right? Like I trust Deborah and where she goes, I go mm. that to me. Well, I think a lot of us feel that way, you know? Well, so it, that's cool. Again. You know? Yeah. Um, I love that. And I, um, Aphrodite here being a mirror shining on you so that you can see that in yourself. You know, um, I do want to say for anybody who was interested in mugwort and they're like, I don't have any idea where they're doing. I do have a farm and I do grow it. So just oh, DM yes. me and I will send you a tiny little piece for your um, pillow um, under your it. pillow. So just, just let me know. I'm happy to do that. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think if you mugwort just kind of has kind of a, a very like, well, Harry Potter and, or like, bibbly bobbity ooh, ooh, what's inside this witch's brew right like <laughs> and that can be a little awkward for some people but uh you got i bet you use lavender oil well i mean that's the thing yeah. is i grew i mean like for me as a tea person right my garden is actually filled with like bee balm lavender chamomile you know mugwort motherwort marshmallow like i vervain you know lemon balm you know, I love all, I grow all of those herbs. So, yes. Yes. um, yeah. It, yeah. It, so my point is, is like, don't get, go, don't get hung up on the name, right? Again, don't yeah. get hung up on the, the name, the label goddess, the name mugwort. Like we, we've been taught that certain herbs are okay and certain herbs are not. And that's just somebody trying to control what we what we have access to. And that makes no sense. 
That is actually funny because I guess I've gardened now for so long. I'm just like, it's a plant. It's an herb, right? But you're right. Well, think about cannabis. Think about cannabis. like I have newt or anything, right? (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, even, even, I don't, I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong. I've never used I have newt for anything. I don't um, even know if there is such a thing as I have new, but I don't know. <laughs> it sounds creepy. <laughs> it well, I I just imagine like a little eyeball. Um, when it really could just be some sort of a of a plant that just has some weird name. But the point being it probably is actually. Like, don't let don't let the the name hold you back from trying it because you, you know, you take prescription medication from pharmaceutical companies, you you've likely sniffed or used lavender oil or um, you know, Vicks vapor rub, which is, you know, like these things were all, um, created for mass consumption based on brews that use things like mugwort and lavender. Mm -hmm. And it's like reclaiming our divine inheritance on this planet, including the herbs, the flora and the fauna. It's, it, that there's so much freedom in that and going, yeah, you know, somebody might go, what is she doing over there? However, like, meanwhile, I haven't taken a headache pill in five, six years. Like, mm. <laughs> I guess I just don't, I use what God created, like what is on this planet mm. and it works, right? It's just, you gotta, gotta wean yourself off. Um, that's kind of funny because the next thing is the enlightened woman's path is walked with a willingness to be shown the often unnoticed beauty of life. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to find meaning in the simplest things, the things that are behind the scenes and parts that others don't always want to see. Um, mm. I love, like, I think about your garden with that, like what you just said. Like, I've never even thought about it that way. But <laughs> Well, I mean, the average Joe would look at my garden and be like, this is a crazy person growing weeds. well you are but beautifully crazy and yeah isn't that true who decided what was a weed and what was what was a prized plant oh 100 percent dandelions they have so much medicinal property in them oh hey did you ever make your syrup oh 100 percent did you love it yeah well no it's disgusting but um you know you people can make like uh dandelion vinegars dandelion (laughs) oils for your salads you can do things that aren't like you know that you know you can do but you know it's it's so crazy but that that to me is like (laughs) i don't know i love that so much um the the last thing that she says about the enlightened woman or the awakened woman is that she's humble she knows her purpose is not her, uh, you know, she knows that her purpose is not her business. It's the goddess, goddess's business. Mm. Again, don't get caught up on the word goddess. If you want to say God, go for it, right? This is our creator that we're talking about. Like we are here as a conduit. We have a divine calling and we can, we can get, um, we can get caught up in, in that as women mm. and the both Aphrodite and Isis, the, the archetypes talk about like, don't compare yourself. Mm. Yeah. To others. There is no goddess that is better than the other. There is no woman that is better than another. Ooh. Well, mm. and like writers like Sophie Bashford and uh, Megan Watterson, 
um, you know, who are introducing us to language and archetypes um, and energies that were previously unavailable. Um, and these are like bestsellers, right? Like this isn't, this is not, these are not obscure texts, um, you know, and, you know, it's just, it, it, they're, they're, um, shining a spotlight on a piece that I think a lot of people are very interested in, um, aren't, aren't quite sure where to start. One of my favorite books is just called 365 Goddesses. So oh, yeah. if this, yeah, if this idea of the uh, understanding different energies and what they exist, you know, the, um, cards, you know, Megan Watterson's cards are a fun way to, um, I feel like we should be like affiliates or something. We always talk about I but, uh, <laughs> but see, that's not our way, right? We, yeah, right. However, you know, if if we knew that we could write checks to our favorite charities because we have an affiliate relationship, then we might. Um, yes. So, three sixty five goddess is a great step. That yep. is so good, mm -hmm. and 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 how very Isis of you because her the the kind of mantra that at least that Sophie gives her is this idea around, hold on, let me highlight it in here. Um, hold please. I think <laughs> You're like, do, 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 do. you don't need to know anything yeah. more than just begin where you are. Say it one more and time. Cause I interrupted you. You don't need to know anything more than just begin where you are. And that. so like that to me uh, is the curiosity aspect. Sophie does a, such a beautiful job in every single one of these chapters saying, darling, if this is calling to you, here are some ways that could have been woven into your other experiences, whether mm -hmm. you believe in, in that you've been here more than once or not. Uh, and I think, I feel like it was either in this book or maybe in a YouTube, you know, interview or something that I heard her say, you know, why not believe that our souls are able to come back? Like, why would you not believe that? Why would you believe that our amazing creator would say, ah, one and done? Meh. Like, well, energy doesn't ex cease to exist. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't, doesn't it, it align really with doesn't. science. Okay, right. And we're, we're in a time, especially here in the States where it's all about repurpose, reuse, like, like, why do we not think that we have that capability as our, like our energy? And I thought I just, it was just one of those, like, exactly, Sophie, like, why not? Why not believe we have this, you know, amazing creator that's like, I'm not going to force you to do it all over if you don't want it, but if you want to. And that we have the ability to kind of tap into that, um, the ancestral knowledge. And, and sometimes we may, we may actually be our actual own ancestor, <laughs> like in just some wild way, shape or form. I think there's so much beauty in shaking it up. So if you are, uh, obviously, if you haven't gotten the book, we, we highly recommend it. We are not affiliates. We do not make anything from people buying the book. We are supporting a fellow sister out there. Um, again, we'll drop the links in. This is the goddess. I, I like to look at these as like flashcards. I feel like they're adulting flashcards. 
<laughs> I love them. I think they're so, be I think the art is so beautiful on those. I just love them. And I, I adore Megan Watterson. So like for me, any, any support of her and what her effort is, is just incredible. Yes. And so that's a, a good theologian. We'll, we'll make sure to tag her. Yeah, she is. She's a feminist theologian, which is, of course. I love her. Yeah. Fabulous. A theology, not theo. T-H-E-A. Yeah, that's great. Oh, my gosh. I never really thought about that. Um, so for those of you, uh, so we'll be sure to tag Megan in this as well, because she just launched, she just rebranded. And she her, she was the, the Red Ladies. Mm. And now she is the house of Mary Magdalene. And oh, so sweet. she I has, that. yeah, so she's shifted. Uh, she does, you know, two messages, uh, like two Sundays a month and mm -hmm. she has a group. So if, if exploring the divine feminine and, and digging not only into, of course, the gospel of Mary Magdalene and learning more about the divine creature she, she was and is, uh, Megan also talks about so much more that is related to Mary, like other gospels that were found, uh, the, the, the amazing professors she has had. She, she connects you with so many other authors that you likely never heard of. And so she just keeps giving all of this divine knowledge that she has learned throughout her career and whether her career was studying or divining, right? She just mm. had really cool energy about her. Um, her retreat is was in August, but she'll have another one, I'm assuming, next year. So it's a good time to start to plug into that community. It's it's nice because it's small. Like the the mm. Facebook group is not, you know, tens of thousands of people. So you can really find, you know, a soul sister or, or soul human mm. in there, uh, if you really want to. So it's also a really great it. community to, again, that's the house of Mary Magdalene with Megan Watterson and Megan is two G's, two T's. I love that. Well, instead of doing a meditation tonight, because we're on the equinox, um, and it's just the season of harvest and, and, um, of gratitude and abundance. I'd like, I'd rather do sort of a collective intention, if you will. Right. Oh. So kind of a body prayer or a body intention instead of like just a true meditation. Right. Oh. If there's even a difference lean right? in with curiosity. So let's just find, find our comfort in our bones. Close your eyes. And just feel the air coming in and out the nose. Let's take a big collective breath in the nose. Big exhale, releasing through the mouth, letting it go. Doing that again. And as we're breathing in, filling the body with this beautiful air. And when we're releasing and letting go, just imagine the, the leaves of the tree and the ease of that release. Just dropping, no effort. One more breath in. And out through the mouth, letting it go. And our awareness is at our heart. And just allow whatever abundance or gratitude 
just thinking of the what's in our life in this moment that we just want to honor. Maybe even connecting that that harvest, that fruit to a seed that we had planted before and just connecting that effort with the harvest. Again, not just doing, but just remembering, right? So that when we move through this next season and we are planting the seeds of today, knowing that the harvest will come. It's a big, heartfelt, soul-led thank you for the process and the cycle of this. Knowing that whatever season you are in, it too shall pass. That is guaranteed. Mm. And then just let it go. All of it. Mm, so good. So good. Uh, I love all of the words that you wove in from the harvest moon, from the books, and so good. I always love our time together. It'll be, uh, there are a couple more chapters inside the book that are about like coming out of the cave that, you know, we can kind of weave into our chat for um, next week, but I'm really looking forward to to finding our next book. I think I sent it to you. I got the walking with Persephone in the mail today. Mm. Have you gotten your mm -hmm. copy yet? I have not. Is that the next one? Well, I thought maybe when you get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Uh, you could kind of take a, it looks really interesting. I'm not, I, I think that it could be a fun, uh, it's seasonal. I didn't have, I had no expectation of it. But I think mm -hmm. that it would be fun to read things from the book. There's lots of poetry in it. Um, mm. it's really beautiful, right? Like the words are really just delicious. And, you know, one of the things that I love about Womancraft, which is the publishing house that published Walking with Persephone and She of the Sea. Mm hmm they Lucy Pierce. Yeah. Lucy Pierce, the burning woman, for those of you uh, mm -hmm. who were with us last year, we, we mm -hmm. listened. I listened to it. I did not read it. I listened to it. Um, and the medicine woman. I actually have a bunch of her books. Yeah. Medicine woman was that I thought that was going to be like a total fit for me because of my like call into healing, but it was more about like the Western medicine kind of like what, mm -hmm. and I was like, man, it's not, and I, it didn't call to me when I read the. You're like, I wanted an herb pouch. I kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I thought I was going to learn, like, you know, how how to to work with my herbs a little bit more. But however, like it's Adolf okay. From the Clan of the Cave Bear series, you know, back in. The, do you remember that? No. What? But the what? Ayla. That was a character from the Clan of the Cave Bear series, and she was a. Uh, it was about like the cave bear cavemen. That was a fascinating book. I mean, okay, what's fat? <laughs> I need to write that down because all of those words are like, I want to lean in and read right now. 
right? Oh, no. I mean, I read this when I, I read the whole series when I was traveling through Europe. Um, and I was like, what, 19? I love and, that. Um, this character. Book and then taking it back and then exchanging it for the next at the next bookstore. Well, and they're, they're like this thick, you know, they're really thick. Um, but yeah, this character, Ayla, A-Y-L-A, she was basically a medicine woman um, with, oh. in, in, like in the caveman times. So it was fascinating, her knowledge of the plants and how to get the root with the spit and, you know, like how to grind the herb and make the poultice and knowing how to right do all here. the things and her little pouches that she carried. Oh, my gosh. I was like, who is this character? And I love her. Right. It is It's. It is like Cersei on Ayaya. It is like Claire and Outlander. I think these, again, archetypes. archetypes. Mm -hmm. These archetypes, when when we are drawn to the archetypes over and over and over again, yes. it is our soul speaking. To you us. end up growing weeds in your garden. <laughs> <laughs> you end up launching a tea company, right? <laughs> I love it. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Oh my goodness. All right, um, everyone, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we look forward to seeing you here next week. Of course, please drop in the comments if you've got ideas for books for us to read, if you've got yes. any thoughts on Aphrodite or Isis, if you've studied either one of them, and there are things that we absolutely should know, because of course, Sophie doesn't cover everything. She simply covers what- yeah. uh, Write it on a papyrus book. and send yeah. it to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, write it on a papyrus and send it to us. Oh my goodness. I love that. All right, everyone, have a wonderful evening. Soak in the last few bits of- uh, the 99% full moon. Uh, go mm -hmm. out and dance in it if you if you want. It's I'm always dead. fun to dance in the moonlight. All right. See you later, everyone. Bye, y'all. Thank you for spilling the tea with Molly and me today. It was our heart's desire to provide a lens for focus, a place to uncover the opportunities that abound, and create a moment to embrace grace and gratitude as we celebrate the beauty that is swirling all around us. To connect with us, head on over to our current collaboration site, moxieonfire.com and sign up for updates. That's moxieonfire.com. Let's all go forth and lead with love, trust, and faith.